0: Heidi, we have got a really great guest today, and he has had a lot of trauma in his life, but he's gone on to do some amazing things and help a lot of people. So, you want to introduce our guest today, Hyde?
1: Sure, I'd love to. So, we're going to be talking about loss and life transitions today, and our guest is Larry Barber. And Larry is a minister, a licensed professional counselor, and a certified thanatologist. He is also an open to hope writer. Um, and you know, he not only talks the talk, but he walks the walk mom because in 1993, his 37 year old wife and his two year old daughter were both tragically killed in a car accident in Arlington, Texas. Larry has since gone on to write a book called Love Never Dies, Embracing Grief with Hope and Promise. He also conducts grief support groups and seminars.
0: Welcome to the show, Larry.
2: Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: It's great to have you on the show today. Now, you had, in 1993, you had all those multiple losses, right? Of your wife and your two-year-old baby?
2: I certainly did. We were a family of five and we were all involved in a multi-car accident that uh, took place, as you said, in Arlington, Texas. And as a result of that, uh, my wife died uh, two days later in surgery. My two-year-old adopted daughter, uh, Katie, uh, was killed instantly in the crash. Uh, all of us were injured in one way or another. I went off to uh, the same hospital with my, my son, Christian, who was uh, 12 at the time. And uh, my daughter, uh, Sarah, was, uh, was nine, and she was taken to a children's hospital over in Fort Worth with, uh, with a broken uh, femur and uh, had to undergo traction and all sorts of stuff later on. But uh, yeah, we went to from, from being a family of five to immediately being, uh, a, I was a single dad with, uh, with two surviving children. So it, uh, it has been quite a, quite a grief journey and I can't believe it has been 26 years ago. The accident uh, changed everything about my life, including my uh, career trajectory. Uh, I went back to school, uh, got uh, a, two master's degree, one in uh, biblical studies because I wanted whatever I did to be uh, biblically based. And uh, then I went back and got a, a master's in counseling. As long as I miss uh, my two loved ones, well, I'm, I'm going to be grieving. It's going to be, as, as I tell the people that I deal with, it's going to change over time, but uh, I'm still going to be grieving.
1: I know that you lost your daughter and your wife and when my brother died my cousin and my brother died together and they were both 17 in a car accident and I remember my mother I don't know if you even remember this mom saying to me you know it's really interesting because I never grieved Matthew my cousin's death because I was I was so busy grieving Scott's I kind of put Matthew's on hold for a little bit and I don't know if that when you were grieving did you did you ever feel like you didn't know who you were grieving for or that you kind of put one person on the shelf for a little bit while you were grieving the other person? Or what did that look like to have two people in your life, in your family, die at the same time? What did that look like with your grief?
2: That's that's a really good question because, uh, yeah, I can relate to what you're saying. It's like, okay, who, who do I grieve for first? Who gets priority? Uh, well, it it just turned out to naturally take place that uh, sometimes I would be grieving for my wife and sometimes i would be grieving for for my daughter and it, it it just happened at different times so it kind of equaled out but at first i was sort of torn okay i'm grieving for my wife but my goodness my two-year-old daughter katie also died i should should be grieving for her just as equally and you know there it's you're going to grieve uh for whoever you are missing at that moment and and feeling that yearning to be with.
1: And not feeling guilty if maybe you're feeling for one person more than
0: the other.
2: That's right, that's right.
0: What comes up for me when you're saying that is it's gotta be triggers too. You know, is it somebody's birthday? Did I see a two-year-old at the park? Did I see a couple together holding hands and walking? And it's gotta be those images and triggers that come up too.
2: Yeah, the the triggers for different uh, losses take place. I had a little bit of a complication, and all uh, all of my major lost days and anniversaries came in the same month. Uh, okay. My my daughter's uh, birthday was May 1st, uh, my wife's birthday was May 9th, and Mother's Day is in there, and the day of the accident, and oh the God. day that uh, my wife died in surgery, and then and then the funeral date, all of them are in May. so. It's, uh, I, would, I would have taken May out of the calendar if I'd, if I'd had the power to.
0: What do you do with May? What are suggestions for people who they're saying, yeah, I get it, I get it?
2: Yeah, um, you, you, you have to prepare mentally for going into it. You know you're going to dread it. I, I have a three-step preparing for difficult days Uh, guideline I go with. The first is to know that your dread of the day is probably going to be worse than going through the actual day itself. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be true with all the people that uh, I dealt with in grief groups and and for myself. And, And the second thing is that you need to have a plan for that day or for that time. Because if you don't, you're just letting grief happen to you and you feel out of control and Grief already makes you feel out of control. So although you do not have control just because you have a schedule, you, you feel like you have a plan. You feel like you have some influence and know what to expect. And the third thing, thing rather, is to uh, always do something during that period to remember them by.
0: What has surprised you most on your grief journey?
2: Oh, gosh. I guess it's it's the matter of how time Changes with uh, with grief. Uh, twenty six years. That sounds like an awfully long time, and sometimes it seems like forever to me. And then there are other days where it seems like it was just yesterday. Um, and there are occasionally days that I have still after twenty six years where it's like it's just happened, and mm-hmm. uh, and I feel some of that uh, grief coming in rather heavily. But that's that's been diminishing over the years, and um, you know, my, I, I have bad days, but they're uh, fewer and farther apart. So that's that's just the way grief works.
0: What do you see? All the, the people that you counsel. What holds people back most? Uh,
2: I think it, I think it's themselves. Uh, I think they are their own worst critics. A lot of the time on dealing with grief. You know, I, I do know that society puts a lot of pressure on us to to get better quicker. And uh, that's, the, you know, that's the way the American uh, culture works. Everything that is done well is done quickly and efficiently. But nothing like grief, which is so messy, can be done quickly and efficiently. Uh, and, and so you, you just have to give yourself uh, some, some, uh, some mercy, uh, some grace, just as you would to anybody else. And I think the hardest thing for grievers is that they're sitting there thinking, not because people are putting pressure on them, but they're thinking, you know, I should be better by now. I, I, something is wrong with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that makes it difficult for them.
1: Right, I like that idea. Um, because we just, we interviewed someone earlier today that said, you know, it, it took five years before she really started feeling kind of in a, in a better, had a better footing in life. I mean, this is a journey. And I I think that people get in trouble when they start to, like you said, Larry, criticize themselves and say, wait a minute, why am I not over it? Why am I not through it? It's, you know, and it takes a long time, especially the identity piece. You know, I I worked with 9-11 widows that that lost firefighters in the Trade Center. And what we found, and this might not be a surprise to you, uh, they lost their spouses early like you did. And they said that it took seven years before they completely embrace their new identity,
2: I would think that that would that would certainly fit. Uh, it took me a long time to uh, to know what to do with that wedding ring, uh, to to you know still talk with people and say that I had a wife. Uh, I mean, I still say that I have a wife. I feel like very emotionally still that I do have a wife, although she's not here physically. Uh, I am I am still connected to her. Uh, that relationship uh, did not die along with, uh, with her when she was killed in the crash.
1: Do, do you have any advice for parents out there that are now finding that they have to parent alone, as you did? Because you had two children, 9 and 12, right?
2: Yes, yes. And, uh, and I had one of each. I had, uh, had a boy and I had a girl. And, of course, being a, a boy myself at one time, it was easy to know what boys needed. Uh, it was not so easy for a single dad to know what a nine-year-old girl was going to need uh, in her growing up. And so I, I had to depend upon a lot of uh, female family members and friends at church, uh, people who took an interest in us or, or I could talk with uh, when things came up. And, and uh, we also tried to find Sarah, you know, folks that she could talk to, when she couldn't come to dad with with her girl stuff, I'm uh, with the uh, Taylor Counseling Group here in in Dallas. I'm working with uh, individuals, adults, families, some uh, some teens, and they can get in in touch with me uh, here. I have a uh, website which is griefminister.com, and uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm I'm also on Facebook, and so. Uh, People can look for me there. Uh, The book can be purchased online, either through Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. And it is Love Never Dies, Embracing Grief with Hope and Promise.
0: All right. Well, Larry, you've certainly done that. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. You're an inspiration. And thank you for writing for Open to Hope.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me today. and, And I appreciate the opportunity to reach out to mourners there.
0: Thank you, Larry, and thank you
1: for uh, being a great example of how, despite multiple losses in your life, you have gone on to find hope again. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and
0: Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another open to hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.